in the 15th century, the church had for the most part forgotten the mercies of God and instead emphasized God's judgment. Even Jesus Christ was presented as a relentless avenger and man himself was so hopelessly engulfed in sin that he had to live in perpetual dread of a furious God. The fires and the torments of hell were constantly emphasized. It was thanks to the reformers that we came out of the dark ages and God's grace began to surface. I fear that since the reformers began to emphasize the grace of God with a balance of God's judgment, I fear that 500 years later, that in a very real way we have come full circle. Today we live in an age of unprecedented tolerance. We are told not to judge anyone. We are told that Jesus would never speak harshly to anyone. We are told by many people, and I have heard this many times myself, that unity is the preeminent thing, that unity is what is most important. In fact, anything less than political correctness is labeled as unloving. Listen to the words of incarnate love. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 37, the undisputed Lord of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ, said, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. In other words, Jesus was teaching that truth comes before unity. Unity must always be based on truth, never the reverse. Because of the sensitivity of this morning's subject, I feel it's very important to say once again that I was raised a Catholic. I have family and friends that are to this day Catholics. I love my family and my friends, and I want to see my family and friends in heaven. I am not a Catholic basher. I love Catholic people. I would like to make the distinction between Catholic people and the doctrines of Roman Catholicism. I taught in Russia a few years ago at a Russian Bible college. I love Russian people. It's communism that I have a problem with. God loves sinners, but he hates sin. So please understand, once again, the reason, the motive of my heart to discuss these issues is love of the truth and love for Catholic people. Amen? In part two of my series on Roman Catholicism, I would like to discuss the subject of Mary. There is a distinction between Mariology, which is the legitimate study of Mary, and Mariolatry, 
which is false worship. According to the Encyclopedia Britannica, which obviously is a secular publication, I trust it has no bias either way towards Catholicism or the Protestant movement. In volume 15, page 459, it says, during the first centuries of the church, there was no emphasis of Mary whatsoever. It was in A.D. 600 that Rome instituted prayer to Mary and the saints. The title of my message this morning is, Will the Real Mary Please Stand Up? The first question that I would like to pose to you this morning is, is it biblical to pray to anyone other than God? There are over 500 references in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation to prayer. I looked up every single one of them this week, and I was unable to find one reference to one of God's people praying to anyone or anything other than the Lord God. There were exceptions, such as when a pagan, such as the prophets of Baal, had the showdown with Elijah, and the false prophets called on the false god of Baal, or Baal as it's actually pronounced, and they were condemned. And in the end of the story, they were killed. Pope Pius IX, and I quote, in 1854 said, Since she, that is Mary, has been appointed by God to be the queen of heaven and earth, and even stands at the right hand of her only begotten son, she presents our petitions in a most efficacious manner. What she asks, she obtains. Her only begotten son? The term only begotten means totally unique. There is no other like it. It is used only six times in the Bible, and all six references refer to Jesus Christ as the only begotten of the Father, not of Mary. The Pope tells us that what she asks, she obtains. The implications of that statement are tremendous, because God is now obligated to Mary. In the Bible, the word abomination and blasphemy referred to that which was an idolatrous affront to the worship of the true and living God. Now, Catholics claim they do not worship Mary. Brothers and sisters, that is simply not the case. Pope Leo XIII declared, and I quote, that because people are fearful of the justice of God, an advocate is needed where none will be refused. Mary is such a one. Mary, worthy of all praise. She is powerful, mother of the all-powerful God. All that is ours, we should entrust to her. All that is ours, we should entrust to her. Mary, the mother of all-powerful God, worthy of praise? In the name of all that is holy, brothers and sisters, Mary is not the mother of God. Mary was the mother of Jesus, the baby Jesus. Jesus was fully God and fully man. Jesus himself referred to himself as the Son of Man 
and the Son of God. Jesus Christ existed as God before Mary was created. In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the 18th verse says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The Pope instructs us, we are instructed to entrust all that we have to Mary. In answer to my first question, is it biblical to pray to anyone other than God? I would like to let the Apostle Paul answer for me. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, it says, God will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. And what is the truth? That God wants all men to know to be saved? The next verse tells us, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. In John chapter 4, verse 24, the undisputed Lord Jesus Christ said, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. To worship God in spirit and in truth means by faith and according to his word. And what does his word say? When Satan was tempting Jesus in the wilderness to worship incorrectly, Satan said to Jesus, All these things will I entrust to you if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus said, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. All that is ours we are to entrust not to Mary, but to the Son of the living God. John 14, Jesus said, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. That could have been just as accurately translated, Trust in God and trust also in me. In Acts chapter 4, the Apostle Paul said, There is salvation in no other. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, produced by the Vatican, on page 253, I quote, The Church's devotion to the Blessed Virgin is intrinsic to Christian worship. The word intrinsic means absolutely essential or necessary. In other words, the church's devotion to the Blessed Virgin, according to Rome, is absolutely essential and necessary to the Christian worship. The most authoritative book on Catholicism's Virgin Mary is by Cardinal and St. Alphonsus de Liguori. The book is entitled The Glories of Mary. It is a compendium of what the Catholic saints have declared about Mary through the centuries. I quote, Sinners receive pardon by Mary alone. I realize this is hard to believe, but these are actual quotes. Sinners receive pardon by Mary alone. 
he falls and is lost, who has not recourse to Mary. Mary is called the gate of heaven because no one can enter that blessed kingdom without passing through her. The way of salvation is open to none otherwise than through Mary. The salvation of all depends on their being favored and protected by Mary. He who is protected by Mary will be saved. He who is not will be lost. Our salvation depends on thee. God will not save us without the intercession of Mary. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, no man comes to the Father but by me. My dear brothers and sisters, if you step out into the middle of a busy street, it's either you or the bus. It can't be both. At World Youth Day in Denver, Pope John Paul II celebrated Mass before 375,000 people. Listen to the world's foremost leading spokesman for the Roman Catholic Church. I quote, With my heart full of praise for the Queen of Heaven, the sign of hope and the source of comfort on our pilgrimage of faith to the heavenly Jerusalem, I greet all of you who are present at this solemn liturgy. This liturgy presents you, Mary, as the woman clothed with the sun. O woman clothed with the sun, the youth of the world greet you with so much love. In Mary, the final victory of life over death is already a reality. Help us to increase in holiness by conquering sin. Roman Catholics are further taught the doctrine of immaculate conception. I used to believe that it had to do with Jesus being born of a virgin. That's not what it means at all. The immaculate conception of Mary is the doctrine that Mary was born without sin. I would like you to listen to what Mary said about herself in the biblical text. In Luke chapter 1 verse 46, Mary said, my soul exalts the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. The word there for Savior in Greek is soter. It means a deliverer. It comes from the same root word that is used in Matthew 1.21, where we find, quote, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. It comes from the same root word as sin. Mary exalted in God her Savior. If you really want to love Mary, we need to believe what she said about herself. Roman Catholic doctrine teaches the doctrine of immaculate conception based on Mary's statement found in Luke chapter 1 verse 48 where she said, From this time on, all generations will call me blessed or blessed. She did not say, call me to get blessed. She said, all generations will call me blessed. And she was, she truly was, blessed of God and highly favored. But there is nowhere in Scripture where it is taught that Mary was born sinless. Mary, uh, Mary went on to say, For he has regard for the humble state of his doule in Greek, 
For behold, from this time on, all generations will call me blessed. The word dule is translated or mistranslated as handmaid uh, in the King James Version or servant, but the actual word, which was correctly translated by the New American Standard Bible, the word in Greek was female slave. It comes from the word doulos, which means bond slave. In item number 973 in the Catholic Catechism, it says, and I quote, by pronouncing, referring to Mary, by pronouncing her fiat, and giving her consent to the Incarnation, Mary was already collaborating with the whole work of her son that he was to accomplish. Pronouncing her fiat? The word fiat is an authoritative order or command, a decree by one in authority. Slaves do not have authority. In Luke chapter 1, when the angel Gabriel said to Mary, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. In verse 29, we find that Mary was greatly troubled at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this might be. And the angel said to Mary, Do not be afraid. Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I am a virgin? Mary said a second time, Behold the bond slave of the Lord, be it done to me according to your word. Far from making an authoritative fiat or collaborating on the redemption of man, when Gabriel appeared to her, the text says she was greatly troubled and kept pondering what this might mean. The angel had to say to her, do not be afraid. And Mary again said, behold, the bond slave of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, Mary referred to God as her savior and to herself as the bond slave of the Lord. Not behold the mother of God, the queen of heaven, the co-redemptrix of all men. I decree by my authority this shall be done. Far from that. She took her rightful place as a slave. The Catholic Catechism instructs all Catholics to remove their hats, bow, and kiss the feet of Mary's statue. But in Isaiah chapter 42, verse 8, God the Father said, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. In the Ten Commandments, the only time from Genesis to Revelation where God the Father spoke audibly to the entire nation of Israel. He gave them a ten-point sermon. The first point was, in Deuteronomy chapter 5, it says, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The second commandment was, Thou shalt not make any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the waters beneath the earth, thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them, for I, the Lord, am a jealous God. The prophets, the apostles, all throughout Scripture, refused worship. And any time anyone ever tried to worship them, they were corrected or chastised or rebuked. Listen to the man that Rome claims to be their first pope. In Acts chapter 10, 
As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. In Acts chapter 14, the apostle Paul, after healing a man, it says, so the crowd wanted to offer a sacrifice to Paul. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of it, they tore their robes and rushed into the crowd, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you and preach the gospel to you in order that you should turn from these vain things to a living God. And in Revelation chapter 19, the apostle John, it says, and I fell at his feet to worship him, speaking of an angel. And he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and your brethren who hold to the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. Never under any circumstances from Genesis to Revelation are we told to pray or to worship anyone or anything but the true and living God in Jesus' name. In Matthew 11, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Was Mary born of a woman? Certainly she was. But Jesus said there is no one born of women that was greater than John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said in John chapter 3 verse 30, He, referring to Jesus, must increase, but I must decrease. Yet in the Catholic Catechism on page 253, it says... Praying the rosary to the mother of God is the epitome of the whole gospel. Praying the rosary to the mother of God is the epitome of the whole gospel. In Galatians chapter 1, the apostle Paul, writing to the Galatians over a concern of heresy, there was a false teaching coming from the Jews that in order for you to be a Christian, you had to obey Jewish law first. And this is what the apostle, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, wrote to the Galatians. I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Even though we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we have preached to you, let him be anathema, or cursed. Even though we, or an angel from heaven, should preach to you a gospel, that is, the gospel means... We are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, through Christ alone, plus nothing. That our changed lives, our good works, etc. are a result of the revelation of the gospel, never the cause of it. Paul said, if anyone, an apostle or an angel from heaven, should preach to you any other good news... Than, that, than Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ dying for your sins, that person is to be cursed, damned forever. 
In the beginning of my sermon, I asked you, is it right to pray to anyone other than God himself in the name of Jesus? The answer is no. Logically speaking and in love, if I saw a person praying to Mary for healing for a loved one, in love, I would say to that person, if you were sick, would you call the doctor's mother? Let's pray.